Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Miami Living with Levy. Uh, this is a real estate show where we talk about all things real estate and uh, Miami related. Uh, we are here in the community newspaper studio today uh, with our very special guest, my friend and, and longtime colleague, Alex Horn from Bridge Invest. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Levy. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex is one of the heads of Bridge Invest, the co-founders. Co uh, founder, founder, founder of Bridge Invest, uh, which is a private equity firm. Uh, that uh, that. Why don't you tell us? Tell us a little bit more about sure. what does Bridge Invest do? <laughs> sure. By the way, Levy, I love the name of the show. Living with Levy. <laughs> Living with Levy. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, I, I'm the uh, the managing principal of uh, Bridge Invest. We are a real estate private equity firm focused uh, majority in real estate debt, which means we're we focus specifically on lending. Um, so predominantly we're doing uh, senior secured uh, first mortgages um, for commercial properties. So that means us usually uh, transactions that are uh, between 10 and 100 million of uh, real estate size. So they're predominantly commercial deals, uh, typically a very special situations lending uh, to pick up where kind of banks drop off. So your traditional bank will do your single family home or they'll do you know commercial building that's fully leased up and so forth we do the stuff that's that's a little bit more esoteric right you're, you're converting an old office building to multifamily, or you want to buy a retail property and then lease it up stuff with with, uh, with more uh, more more complexity um where we can come in and do a uh, a more bespoke loan for you to get you in your next step in your business plan uh, so we've been doing that for about a decade. So uh, Bridge Invest is homegrown. So we've started here in Coconut Grove. Um, and uh, now we're at 2021, will be 10 years in business. Awesome. Uh, we're coming up on a decade. Yeah, a decade. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, and we do about $200 million of deals a year. Uh, and uh, today, everything we're doing is out of our discretionary debt fund, which is um, uh, it's a third third discretionary debt fund. We just did a, another. So another you guys just you guys just did a a, a round of, of fundraising, right? Where you we did we did. Uh, so I'm not not sure if I'm allowed to say by SEC purposes how much we raised, but we raised a good amount of money. We have a ton of money to put to work. Um, uh, this uh, in the first quarter. Can alone. we play? Can we play hot and cold? Or is, that... <laughs> <laughs> is it a hundred million or two hundred? It's, it's no, it's a sizable, a sizable amount of money. We'll say. Yes, All right. uh, a sizable <laughs> amount of money. I'll give you like for as a barometer. We did about sixty million dollars of uh, transactions in Q1 this year so far. Very nice. Um, and we're hoping to continue to grow that. Um, and we'll do deals all throughout the southeast and central U.S. So, so, so you pick up you pick up where the banks leave off. Uh, meaning, meaning again, the banks might might underwrite a, a traditional single family home, a primary residence, maybe a secondary investment property for 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 one of their high net worth clients. Um, you know, they might have we have we have banks that specify that are specific to to uh, asset classes that maybe they specialize in lending to a hotel, but, but generally speaking, uh, when the, when the waters get a little murky and it's harder for them to understand, they, they, they step back and that's where you guys tend to step in. That's, that's correct in a way. And, um, in a way the uh, traditional banks really focus more on, on cash flow and transactions that are operating or they can see cash flow in the very, very near future. Uh, our, our, uh, our business focuses on doing those transactions that might be a few steps away from cash flow. So uh, I can give you a few examples that are kind of local and people might know. Uh, so we financed um, 
the original purchase of the Mr. C property for Terra Group in uh, in Coconut Grove. That's the that's the Cipriani Hotel yes, in Coconut exactly. Grove. Exactly. Beautiful the, hotel. Not the, not the, ho the, the new one they're building. <laughs> oh, the Mr. C uh, residence. The residence, yeah. yes. So we, we finance out of the original acquisition. So that was the initial acquisition of the land itself. Yes. Um, and, and as sort of a bridge loan until they get their construction loan? Right. So that one was actually very interesting because they've owned the land for a while. So it was actually not even land. It was, it was, it was a um, building, yeah. It was a building. It was a multifamily building. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when they purchased it, their business plan was actually to take the property that was cash flowing it down to zero to then demolish it, right? If you think about it, that's very counter to any business plan you have for a <laughs> bank, right? It's like you're reducing the cash flow, not increasing it. Um, and so that's why we were a fit there because we we under, we could underwrite that business plan for a multi-year or uh, multi-year sort of project, and we were able to lend what they needed to for uh, to execute on their project. What other projects have you guys worked on? And what size was that? Are you allowed to talk about the size? Yeah, of the, yeah the, the, the project specifically, I think it was about a $23 million loan, um, give or take. Uh, that was a few years ago at this point. Uh, another project that's also kind of unique and talks about our, our skill set is if you're familiar with the Una residence. Una, uh, yeah, that's in, uh, that's in the South South Brickell area, uh, just above it, just above the, the Rickenbacker Causeway, correct? Correct, yeah, it was, yeah. It's two buildings in from Rickenbacker. Yeah, and that used to be, that used to be a, uh, what was it, maybe a, a a 15-story 1960s or 70s building. And again, they tore that down, and they're putting up Una's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. So so that's a good example of uh, another transaction that we did that uh, th there was a building there, right? And there was a con it was a condo building. So Oko, who was the developer of the property, they had to go and buy unit by unit until they could collapse a condo and build a new project there. So when they came to us, we actually financed. It was something like 85% of the unit purchases. Um, and I, I can't recall how many units it was uh, in the hundreds. Wow! So as they were buying out the units so that they can gain control of the of the association, you were funding the purchases of of each individual unit purchase because you saw you were you, the plan was was big picture. Yeah, a big picture, and um, and when they came to us, they already had kind of a critical mass. They had eighty plus percent already under. Um, under LOI to purchase, or do they have to get to ninety. They have to. It's it's complicated. It depends on it depends on the the building and the the zoning and so forth. Um, condo, the, the condo docks also the condo docks yes, municipalities exactly. change guys. Um, but they were at a point where they were close enough, uh, and they already had kind of soft uh, agreements with the other guys, the other few uh, few people in the building that they would uh, they would kind of convert those as well to contracts. So. We we financed effectively that purchase, um, and through our loan, they took over the building. They acquired the last few units, collapsed a condo, uh, and then refinanced us out uh, when they were planning on moving to the next stage in the business cycle of a kind of launch of Una and, and pre-sale and so forth. Gotcha. Because oh, because at that at that stage, there's more traditional lending that they can go get to do construction financing and and more vertical. Yes, we actually do a lot of construction finan financing as well. Um, the in that one in specific, they chose to go a different direction. Uh, but we that's something that we were very active in. Uh, so, for instance, there's a uh, uh, it's called the the Ivory Hotel in um, in Aventura, mm -hmm. just off of um, uh, just off of Biscayne. Uh, I think it's on two thirteenth. Uh, we just financed uh, the completion of that construction loan. Uh, so they went vertical there, and that was it was an interesting building because it's. Uh, it's a part hotel and part uh, office condos, and this is right next to the Aventura Medical Center. Uh, so we finance a ground up construction there. Right. And the the reason that developer came to us was because it was a first time developer 
uh, in the U.S., but he had a he had established track record of doing other projects before, and uh, and we were able to finance him um, and really allow him to get into that next stage of his biz business plan to complete the project. We have since actually done uh, another loan for him for the building directly for the land directly in front of him. Uh, in, sorry, in front of that property, which uh, is on the corner of 213th and Biscayne, which is going to be a very exciting. On the corner uh, of 213th and Biscayne on the, do you know if it's the east or west side? Or? Uh, west side. <coughs> on the west side. On the east, yeah. on the east it's already developed, right? Yeah. On 213th, it's a. Uh, it's already it's, like it's the, 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 the Gulf, yeah, you have all the, the, the whole shopping plaza there. Correct. So this is on the west side, close yes. to the train. Yeah, they're actually going to develop a, a whole new, there's going to be a whole new light there and another through street. So it'll actually create better access in that area too. Nice. So, so, so those are examples of transactions we're doing down here. Uh, but we're, we're fairly active throughout the southeast and central U.S. So we've closed, I think, this uh, this this uh, year so far. We've actually done a majority of our business in Atlanta. We found that it's been a very interesting and uh, interesting market with a lot of great development going on there. And we've been happy and fortunate to be able to participate in that. Got it. So I mean, we all know. I mean, we've talked about it many times on this show that uh, that that. The, the market here in Miami is absolutely raging. It's on fire, and there's, there's very little inventory, very little opportunity to find. You have to really get creative to find, uh, you know, for especially for developers. There, you know, there, there there are people that are now looking. I've seen a lot of interest in building office spaces, just because with the influx of high net worth people that are coming here, there's going to be a high demand for Class A offices. So I know there's people in the Grove uh, building offices and looking to build offices in the Grove. Uh, we had uh, Lyle Stern on the show who talked about. Uh, who talked about uh, the the city building office, you know, putting out a bid for office spaces in South Beach on, on in various different parcels that, that the city of Miami Beach owns, uh, and they were talking about doing that. So, are you seeing what are the trends? I'm guessing uh, that you're seeing um, both here, I guess, and around the country. I mean, you're saying you do a lot of business in Atlanta. Uh, what in what asset classes are you seeing like the most uh, demand? Uh, so, so I'll start off with first what we're seeing, kind of a, from a trend standpoint on uh, ge geographies, and then I can talk about assets, but yeah, asset class specifically. Uh, so, so we we really subscribe to the concept that there's been um, uh, an acceleration of of trends that we were already seeing pre-COVID. Uh, what that means is really uh, acceleration of trends of uh, migration from the uh, northeast and from the west coast to central and southeast U.S as well as migration from urban to suburban areas uh, in the country. And uh, and there's a ton of data to support this. And now with COVID, uh, that all that's really happened is those trends have been accelerated, happened a lot quicker than anybody expected. And actually, one thing that uh, that, that we tracked, uh, and I can't remember what what uh, study we found this in, thought it was a great idea, was uh, whether it was PricewaterhouseCooper or something like that, that you track U-Haul uh, uh, U-Haul migration, or U-Haul routes, uh, because where people are kind of taking yeah. the U-Haul and taking yeah, it. Where they're picking uh, it up and dropping it off. Where are they yeah. moving to? Uh, and and we have, uh, actually, I actually uh, did a little video about this maybe um, a month ago and posted it on my LinkedIn. But there's, uh, it talk, it shows kind of the, the true migration from U, for U-Haul data from going from the West Coast to kind of Texas and from the Northeast down to kind of Georgia, Florida, and the Carolinas. Uh, so there's been a, a ton of migration um, and I think we're Florida and South Florida is going to be a net, a net winner of that migration, uh, and we're seeing this already. That we're seeing kind of huge growth uh, in uh, in you know occ occupancy of office buildings, um, uh, desire for residences down here, um, and all, all throughout kind of the game. And I think we're going to see more of that uh, in in 
places like Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Atlanta, I think is also going to be a big winner. Uh, so ge uh, from a geographic standpoint, we really believe in the Southeast, and that's why we've always really been focused in those markets. For us, let me just kind of tell you kind of what we like as markets is we look at everything kind of DC down to Florida and then as far west as Texas. Uh, that's kind of what we consider Southeast and then we kind of draw a line up. Uh, so we've started exploring kind of from Texas North, um, uh, but we're still kind of exploring that more of the kind of the central regions. Uh, so, you're, so you're not necessarily, uh, and again, I'm, I'm assuming you wouldn't necessarily turn away something that made sense, but you're not necessarily looking in the Midwest Chicago region or in the Northwest, you know, Seattle, Ohio, Utah. So definitely not the, the Northwest, um, the, the central region in Chicago's uh, in Chicago area, uh, we're exploring. We've done a few deals in Ohio. Uh, we find that's a pocket that's been interesting for us. Uh, but generally, the markets that we really like are Texas, Carolinas. How about uh, Nashville? Georgia. I feel like Nashville is. I mean, at least at least pre-pandemic, I know Nashville was on fire. I was there a little about a little less than two years ago now, and like, I mean, we were, we were at the top of uh, maybe it was at the Thompson Hotel. I can't remember, but there was. I mean, I counted fifteen cranes just in, in line sight. N Nashville's a very interesting market. Um, it's seen a lot of growth. Uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of net migration there. Uh, we think it's going to continue. Um, uh, Nashville, in and of itself, is a very interesting market. The the other uh, the other markets in Tennessee are, are a little bit they lag a little bit behind Nashville. Uh, so um, it's it's super it's an interesting market, but I think that it's still uh, the state in itself still lies behind Georgia, Florida, Carolinas, and Texas. Gotcha. So you're seeing migration to Miami, to 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 Florida, to Georgia, to Texas, um, and you, your opinion is that you, you were seeing these trends pre-COVID, but um, you believe that COVID has accelerated these trends. And what is your opinion of of going to a post-COVID world if, if, there, if, such a, if such a world exists. I mean, like we were talking previously about uh, Alex. Alex has a newborn baby at home. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and one of the reasons I'm wearing a mask today was, is, you know, Alex wants to be extra precautious about that. And I fully respect that. Appreciate uh, it. But, but, you know, we're talking about this post-COVID world and what it's going to look like, right? So soon enough, enough people get vaccines. We hit a critical mass. Are you predicting a pullback and a, and a, and a, re and a, a sort of an exodus back into the urban, or, or do you foresee that this 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 last in this suburban world in the you know this this exodus to the to to to, to the right leaning states maybe for political purposes or what do you what do you think seeing in a post COVID world? Is so uh, as I mentioned, I, I, like I think COVID just created this acceleration. It didn't change that trend. Uh, so there was already a desire for um, for people that were already kind of looking to move, call it, let's just single out New York, even though it's not only the only place, but New York where you have a, a much higher tax bracket to uh, to a state that doesn't have a state income tax in Florida. Uh, so there was already this, this, um, this migration or this idea that people wanted to eventually come to uh, Florida from New York. Yeah. Um, COVID just just was kind of that match that started that fire for them. Uh, or, or not that, it wouldn't even say it's a match, it was a gasoline. Definitely not the match, it was the gasoline. The, yeah, exactly. Gasoline on the fire, yeah. It was a gasoline on the, the fire. The grill was already on. Yeah. <laughs> so was the, that's like, that's go, a better. Yeah, grill was already on. Somebody just didn't have the patience to wait for the coals to slowly come there. Pour the, pour the gasoline all over it. So so, so yeah, exactly. So in, in that respect, um, no, I don't, I don't think a lot of these people are leaving. I think they, they've come down here because they like the quality of life. Uh, they can still work and do a lot of what they were doing up there. Uh, 
uh, and so they're here to stay. I, I know, I, I know for myself, four or five people that I can, I can name off the top of my head that made that move and don't plan to go back. Um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. Sure. And it's not, it's not just, uh, it's just not just New York. It's also, uh, it's also just other places like California. There's been huge migration. You, you hear every day of a new corporation that's leaving California and moving to Texas. Right? Austin has seen such a boom uh, because all these tech companies are saying they can't afford uh, the the strict policies and, and strict uh, regulations in California anymore, and the taxation of California, so they're moving to Texas and Austin and really setting up a setting up shop there. Yeah, and I think it's a natural. I mean, we've we've talked about this before on the show as well that it's it is a bit of a natural progression to get you know New York to Miami has always been it's always been sort of the express flight <laughs> and easy trip. Um, and so we're going to see, I think, people from the Northeast and the Midwest come to here, and then and then a little bit more from California towards Texas. Yeah. They're a little bit more com comfortable with like the West Coast mid you know mid uh, uh, middle middle America life. It's it's a very you know Texas and Florida are very different. Uh, aside from our yeah. aside from our tax policies and other such you know political political standpoints, but you know, we're very different states. <laughs> yeah. Miami's kind of wild. Uh, but I'm seeing, you know, what I thought was going to be very interesting was in the beginning, I was seeing people coming to Miami and, you know, they, they, people tend to quickly gravitate to what they know. And, you know, most people that come to Miami spend a lot of time on Collins Avenue and South Beach, South of Fifth, you know, maybe that maybe, maybe Bell Harbor. Um, and so the initial interest, I was seeing a lot of people going there and there still are, you know, we're seeing some of the biggest sales are on the Venetian Islands and on North Bay Road, Sunset Harbor. Um, but, you know, we are starting to see a lot of people recognize Coconut Grove and Coral Gables and Pinecrest that were markets. I mean, those are neighborhoods that quite frankly, people that live in Miami Beach don't know very much about. So, you know, people that live in other cities don't. Um, are you seeing, you know, because uh, Alex, <laughs> I was gonna ask you if, you, if you're seeing anything coming to the coming, coming to, to other than other than on the residential front, are you seeing people, are you seeing businesses come to the Gables, look to the Gables? Are you seeing that sort of development here? And, and I'll caveat, caveat that by saying, like, I always like to call Alex and pick his brain uh, when we're talking, just talking real estate shop, because there's, there is very little, I feel, that moves around uh, on a larger scale in Miami without somehow crossing your desk that you might have already somewhat seen that deal or heard about it or underwritten or you know the players. Um, and so, so are you seeing, you know, again, residential side, I mean, we have zero inventory. There's, I just did a search in, in Gables, Grove, Pinecrest, South Miami, and then I included Pont Davis and High Pines. And we put all that into the search tool just for a rental for a client. We put a cap of $12,000 and a minimum of three, three single family home. There were 13 homes available in all of those cities to rent right now. Um, so like when I say our inventories are low, it is all time historic low. Uh, but what are you seeing um, on the industrial office, retail, restaurant space? You know, are we seeing development, people people coming to these areas? So uh, in regards to what we're seeing kind of from an asset class perspective, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of demand for multifamily property. So uh, multifamily from kind of investors just wanting to buy multifamily uh, as, as it, to see that asset class is just being kind of very safe uh, to now leading to more demand for uh, build of new multifamily. So we're seeing quite a, quite a lot of new development and repositioning of assets to multifamily. Um, not so much in South Florida, but across like all our markets, what we're seeing uh, what we're seeing a lot of right now is this conversion of 
downtown office to multifamily, uh, which is an, inter an interesting oh. kind of dynamic we're seeing a lot of right now, right? Especially uh, if you consider CBD office uh, has generally been kind of a, a sell uh, right now, right? That's a, that's a trade you want to sell. Um, and and people still like the idea of uh, CBD multifamily because it really attracts a younger population, younger demographic that's living in the city, working nearby. Uh, so we've seen a lot of that. Less less so much here in South Florida uh, because we we generally have a very young um, young downtown. So there's not as many office buildings, I think, as, as some of these other major markets, uh, or we're still kind of had this concentration, right? That that there's a need for those offices there. Um, so, so multifamily, we've seen a ton, we've seen a ton of a ton of uh, desire for new multifamily. See a ton of ca uh, cap rate compression. Uh, we've seen a lot of new development or new starts multifamily. Uh, now, to your comment about uh, about rentals and people trying to find places to rent, uh, not so much on the single family side, but even even the, all this demand for for rental is going to lead to increased pricing on multifamily on the the just kind of units. Uh, so I think that that's also a good indication for the future growth of multifamily and the, for the desire for more more development here of multifamily. I think we generally still pretty favorable on that on that asset class uh, down here and really across the southeast. Um, industrial also seen a, a ton of volume. Frankly, we haven't done a lot of industrial simply because banks will will be all over that uh, that transaction. Banks usually are very happy to do the industrial properties because you usually have a ten hand or the construction is very simple. It's tilt wall construction goes up pretty quickly. Uh, but generally, industrial has been an asset class that has done arguably better during the pandemic. I think uh, we've also seen kind of like values increase these last uh, this last twelve months. Um, and then you get more into the categories of uh, uh, of retail, uh, hospitality, and office. I'd say office is somewhere in the middle. Some have done better, some have done worse. Um, you, you talked about it before. Uh, office in Coconut Grove is on fire. It's really hard to find good office in Coconut Grove right now because people like that idea of being in a, in a more suburban uh, suburban market within Miami. But also uh, close to your office, but, but so you exactly. don't have to trek to downtown. And exactly. Coconut Grove is very close to Brickland downtown, but it's still not the same as, you know, Hopping in your golf cart and going yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, and 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 there hasn't been a lot of development of new new office in Coconut Grove. Correct. Uh, so it's uh, so there there's definitely it's definitely supply constrained. Um, I think in in Brickell we're even seeing that the 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 Class A the super premium Class A is getting eye popping numbers, like I, like crazy numbers that we've never seen here in Miami. Um, talking about sixty seventy dollars per square foot plus sixty to seventy dollars a foot. Yes, for wow. a super premium class A. Yeah, well, we were talking. This is super premium class A. Open views of the water, yes. huge conference rooms. You know, like like elevator right to your half of half a floor. Like yeah, the, the real the real high. These end. are and these are kind of Citadel and and these big these big funds that are the big financial firms from New York that are moving down here and and want that uh, and want the super premium space and can afford to pay it and look at it and say, hey, this is discounts what I paid you. And that's why that those numbers are working out. So I think office in, in Miami in particular is actually doing pretty well. Um, other parts of the country, it's uh, it leaves something to be desired. Just depends where, um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of this conversion from office to multifamily. And retail and restaurant, right? Retail and retail restaurant. And I think pre-pandemic, uh, specifically retail, especially bigger box retail, was on a was on a was on a downward trajectory. Um, has that shifted? Are we still sort of are we seeing are we seeing a, a demand for any of that? It's it's interesting. Like so so. 
Bridge Invest focuses on on these more esoteric or complex deals. Um, and over the last few months, a lot of complex deals are retail deals. And we've actually we've actually been spending a lot of time underwriting and valuing retail. Um, and and it just it retail is it's not one size fits all, right? It's uh, uh, if you're retail if you're a restaurant space, you're probably hurting right now. Uh, but one company has done extremely well is like Dollar Tree, um, and and uh, in a in a property that we finance that we're currently the lender on right now, and like two other ones that we're looking at for um, uh, to finance right now, Dollar Tree has signed like leases in the last year, uh, and, and they're just on a massive growth path. Uh, so they've done pretty well. Um, some big boxes are expanding as well. Some newer concepts are expanding. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of restaurants versus just general retail, like I've he heard anecdotally that some restaurants, especially more more boutique uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurial focused restaurants, are pretty good about shifting the pandemic for more takeout, sitting outside, and so forth. I don't have the specific stats on that. Uh, but I, th I think uh, re retail we are looking at right now. Um, we have kind of three quotes out right now to do to do retail financing opportunities. Um, uh, one of them here, one of them in North Florida, uh, and another one in Atlanta. Uh, so we're, uh, retail is more just about the right corner. Um, I think the malls are dead. That there's no question that that's that's on its way out. And you think, uh, and you think long term on the way out, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, that you just see the decline of big malls or, or COVID having a lot to do with that. COVID having a lot to, again, it's more acceleration of trends, right? Um, malls were hanging on by thread, and uh, uh, and COVID just just made it uh, just was kind of that nail in the coffin. Not in, and again, there are exceptions, right? People, people say, oh, what about the harbor? What about Aventura Mall? Yeah, those aren't going anywhere. Those are, are fantastic establishments that do insane numbers, yeah. uh, but that's not your typical. I mean, I, I always I always refer I always jokingly refer to Aventura as a city built around a mall and a golf course. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's so it was like these are cities that were designed for that. Right, yeah. Brickell City Center, uh, Brickell City Center is is you know it has it's it's just it's literally the base, and then right on top of it you have you have two condominiums uh, and, a, and a hotel and a hotel condo and some office space. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's a vertical city based around the mall itself. Well, and, and you're talking now more about uh, the design of, of future retail, right? And it, it's, I think Brickell city center is a good example of that, right? It's, it's not a closed, a closed off, uh, closed off mall. It, it actually integrates with the city and the surroundings around it to make it uh, as much of a, a kind of, for you to to go through it uh, to get to your next destination, as to spend time in there, um, and and it kind of it kind of also talks about just what retails is not hurting as bad, right? The strip centers are actually doing okay for the most part, depending on what who your tenant mix are uh, or is. Um, it's uh, it's doing okay because you're kind of stopping there, you go in, you grab what you need, or you go go sit down, have food, and, and leave. It's just the mall itself that that concept that. Old 1980s sort of closed on closed mall is is what's really has been struggling over the last few years and will continue. Um, so so that in in short that's uh, that's retail and then last asset class when we talk about hospitality. Um, our view at Bridge Invest and and I strongly believe this is uh, hospitality is is um, probably on on uh, is probably coming back uh, slowly. Uh, the assets that are located in more destination cities, so Miami um, and New York or Fort Lauderdale, uh, areas that are that are really going to be used for leisure, 
uh, more than uh, more than business. I think those those assets are going to come back quicker. Uh, but they're still kind of I can't remember what report I read that they said that they expected that that uh, it, it take up to like 2023 or, or 2024 to come back to valuations of 2020. Um, so so hospitality was absolutely the hardest hit. Uh, we have uh, a few a few loans uh, that are hospitality based assets, and you can see it in those numbers. They were just abysmal. Like, the, the issue with hospitality is, is you just have very very big carry costs, despite uh, no matter if you have people there or not. Um, so it really eats away at any sort of kind of value from the property because you're paying these expenses on a daily basis. All right, and so that would, that would, that's the last asset class, except for uh, what about? Uh, about warehouse and in, you know uh, uh, that falls into industrial. industrial. Um, so yeah, warehouse is uh, is really industrial. It's been doing well. I mean, um, the the kind of growth of e-commerce has really helped, uh, or or the expansion of e-commerce e-commerce during COVID has really helped fuel uh, warehouses and distribution centers. Um, I I read right. a stat and I can't remember off the top of my head, but something something crazy like. Um, in in I think it was like two that like the second quarter of 2020, uh, like it was like triple or quadruple the volume of, of sales from like the year from the quarter from the same quarter the year before, it's simply wow. because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that creates a huge uh, huge need for more distribution centers. Uh, that that'll wane um, as we kind of go back hopefully to some to kind of normal life. Uh, but I, I think. Industrials and asset class has been has been strong and will continue to be strong. I don't know if I agree with that. By the way, I think I, I think you know life will begin to go back to whatever levels of normal. But people people create habits, and I think you know it was it was it was very difficult for people to get around, uh, like online grocery shopping, as an example. And you know, yes, in COVID, especially in the first shelter in place, and when people didn't know what the virus was, and they were they were wiping down their groceries. People stopped wiping down their groceries a long time ago, okay. right? So, um, but but I, you know, I've been to the grocery store recently. I don't often go. My wife mostly takes care of the grocery shopping, but I went recently with her and the kids, and there were more uh, shoppers in in there that were that were for the app shoppers, the delivery shoppers, than there were actual shoppers. And I don't see that as a trend that's going to be going away anytime soon. Um, so I, I just think that people get used to ordering stuff online, the convenience of it, and and that you know I just think that even as the world goes back up, people will go out. I think for leisure, for fun, to get out of the house, they'll go to outdoor malls and spaces. Yes, they'll go to to destination hotels. I think I even I even believe the cruise ship industry is going to come back with a big boom as soon as you know as soon as as soon as everything's really we hit some sort of a critical mass. But I think certain certain trends are here to stay, and I think. Uh, I think the, the I think industrial is going to be a huge. I think it's going to continue to be a, a huge, a huge supply issue. Well, and that's that's why uh, I think most investors would agree with you. That's why people are willing to buy, uh, buy industrial properties at all time low cap rates. All right, um, and so if of all these, and I guess we you know you you, you handle it's clear that you you. You specialize in and have to really understand all the various different asset classes and different different areas, different demographics. But uh, what in, you know, if you were talking to your audience, which we are now, <laughs> so uh, what specific uh, asset classes are like really the the bridge invest favorite? Would you, if you were looking right now to write loans and deploy capital, where would you love to spend it? Uh, um, it's funny, like we don't have a specialty in terms of asset class. Uh, we really where. I always joke with my team is like we'll do every single deal that comes to us. It's just a matter at at, at what cost and what leverage point. 
Um, so it's really about finding those niche deals. Uh, like so I mentioned, I think that our 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 business and our main focus for our investors is fiduciaries to find good risk adjusted returns. So that's to that's a matter of kind of looking where others aren't, right? So if everybody's looking at multifamily, it's either how do we get creative on multifamily or let's go look elsewhere uh, where where others aren't looking. So um, in in like 2014 to 16, we were very very active in uh, in in a condo land in Miami. There's a huge boom in that growth of that business, uh, and there was very few people doing condo land transactions. So we did. I think at that that year we were probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, land lender of in South Florida at that time. So we thought that was a big opportunity. Right now, I don't know. Uh, we look at. Um, uh, we've looked at a few multifamily projects and just going higher up in leverage because we feel comfortable with that that analysis. But that's a boring trend that people understand. Uh, like I mentioned, we've done we've looked at a few uh, uh, retail. I got to walk away from and we say, wait a second, let's understand what's yeah. what's behind. So, uh, you know, a lot of people might just think big, big you know, big shopper retail yep. is dead, and and you go, well, you know, it's all about it's all about the spreadsheets. Yeah, <laughs> got to really look at the numbers. Yeah, finding value. I think office is one of those where it's like where you can find that diamond in the rock, right? You can figure out what what offices are going to survive and which ones are going to change. And uh, are, are you in a good enough basis where even if it doesn't it, it doesn't get knocked out of the park, uh, the, the analysis doesn't get knocked out of the park, it still makes sense and you're still, still in a good deal. I'll tell you one thing that we didn't talk about at all is, uh, is uh, in, inflation, which is, um, which is something that I think... Uh, is important uh, and something that uh, that I've been thinking a lot about recently, right? When you talk about the hey, prices are 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 getting dri driven up so much, um, uh, but for for homes, uh, assets are um, uh, are are kind of selling at all time low cap rates. And what is happening here? I think it's a lot to do with the fact that there's a lot of free money. Um, uh, cost of borrowing has gone down tremendously, and uh, and the U.S. government has pumped a lot of money into the system. So we haven't seen inflation um, in kind of our daily goods, right? Your milk still costs the same. Uh, but I, I suspect that we're in a situation where we're, we're really having a higher than normal inflation uh, inflation rates right now. And we're only going to realize it afterwards. And slowly, you know, our, our, our daily goods are going to catch up and going to start costing more as well. Because there's just so much money in the system, people are just willing to pay premiums for it. And in fact, that's going to pay premiums for assets, and in fact, it's going to cause uh, inflation in the whole system. Yeah, and they are talking about rates going up now. I mean, most of the lenders that I'm talking to are predicting that, that we're going to see, especially towards the end of this year, we're going to see significant rate, rate hikes. Uh, and so they're, they're, I mean, maybe they're just encouraging people to grab money and they want to write loans. But I, 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 you know, I think we're, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're headed towards. And is it, would you agree with that? It, yeah, I think so, and I think it's partly to, partly to, to curb to, to curb inflation, uh, partly to kind of slow down that frenzy of of paying a premium for assets. Well, there you have it from someone smarter than myself by a long shot, <laughs> uh, Alex. Uh, we really do love having you on the show. I, actually, you know, it's it's easy for you and I to talk. I feel like we burned through 30, 30 plus minutes in in, in, a, in what felt like five. Um, so I definitely would love to have you back on the show another time. Um, I think we're we're actually planning to do a little bit of a panel type discussion, uh, maybe as we get. A little bit further along in the uh, in the vaccine in the vaccine uh, herd, herd immunity, uh, but I thank you for coming on the show. Alex can be reached. Uh, uh, their website is bridgeinvest.com. Yes, um, it's again Alex Horn. Alex, thank you for having yeah. us on the show. Thank you everybody for 
watching the show, for being here, for coming to coming to join us for this 30 minutes. Uh, and my name again, Levy Meyer with Compass Real Estate, uh, the Meyer Group specifically at Compass. And again, a big thanks to Community Newspapers for hosting us here in their in their studio. Thank you, um, Levy, for having me on. Take care. <laughs>